What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patrick Sheehan. Dave, my co-host is here, and I wanted to ask you, Dave, to start off the show. It was a fire weekend on Twitter. There was a lot happening. Yeah. Politically. Busy Saturday. And the NBA decided to just blow up on Sunday. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask, what was your favorite Twitter moment from the weekend? LeBron calling Trump uh, a bum. I thought it was great. Yep. There was a great tweet about it. It was, uh, man, LeBron hasn't dropped 46 this beautifully since against Boston in 2012. I was like, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really, really great tweet. Yeah, it was funny. I, I think Carmelo getting traded was just, it was like the perfect breakup because I was starting to get a little bit tired of all the political takes, and all of a sudden NBA Twitter's just like, oh yeah, we're still the GOAT, and they just basically jumped into everything. And I was like, ah, the NBA is so good right now. It's crazy. I come out of Kingsman, the Golden Circle, which we'll get to later on, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, all right, let me get my Kingsman tweet ready, and then I see, oh fuck, Carmelo gets traded the one moment I'm not by my phone. <laughs> so I'm like, gotta save that tweet <laughs> for later. I have to tweet about Carmelo right now can't uh, drown out what are your feelings about that trade well it had to be done you know it wasn't really about the uh return phil jackson made sure the return was going to be good anyway you know he's what 33 anyway so it just it just needed to be he wanted to move on the knicks need to move on so they could build around porzingis and actually commit to being a bad team you know not being a 30 the 35 win team and getting a mid-tier lottery pick you actually need to get a good lottery pick because there were a lot of bad teams so it need to be done, and honestly, they, I mean, they would have probably should have traded him a few years ago, but it is what it is. I'm happy he's in a nice spot to uh, have some fun this year in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting to see Oklahoma going for it so much. I think they kind of are reading tea leaves and thinking Russ probably is going to leave, so they want to take one last shot before they have to do a, like a complete rebuild. But yeah, Zen Master, man, fucking like fuck, Nick sucks. Ah. So happy he's gone. <laughs> Well, jumping to, to someone that we like a lot, Alicia Vikander. Yes. Queen. Queen Vikander, man. So Tomb Raider, we, we, we talked about a little bit last week. Tomb, Tomb Raider dropped the trailer the day that we were recording, or the day after we recorded, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. What did you think of this Tomb Raider trailer? Yes, so we'd seen some set photos. We had seen the poster with the really long, extenuated neck for uh, Vikander, which was probably messed up in Photoshop. But uh, yeah, so we, we had seen a little bit. And we always thought, you know, Vikander, obviously, really talented. And she looks the part. Looks like a Lara Croft. And seeing this trailer, as someone who's played two most recent Tomb Raider games, it looks exactly like the games. It even steals, like, angles of scenes from the games, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and Wong Goggins is there. We like him from Vice Principals. So, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot to say. I don't know how good the movie looks. But I know Vikander won't be the problem with it. Yeah, you know, I actually, I wanted to shout out Walton Goggins. We haven't got a chance to talk about him from Vice Principles, but after Hateful Eight and then jumping into Principles, he's been on a bit of a heater. I, I don't think this movie necessarily needs to be good, but it looks like it could be a really good action movie. That was kind of, you know, I was listening to the Rewatchables Ringer podcast, and they talk a lot about action movies on that, and I was kind of just thinking, this movie just needs to be fun. Yeah. Like, I don't need it to be winning Emmys. I just want to be... Yeah, annoyed. and judging by the look of it, uh, similar to the, these these games, it's kind of about like her origin story of how she goes from like a archaeologist to a, uh, you know, badass globetrotter, treasure hunter kind of person. And, you know, female action movies are in right now with the Terminator news, which we'll get mm-hmm. to, as well as uh, Wonder Woman, of course. So I think this is a good time 
But I also was really optimistic about the Assassin's Creed movie, and that had a great cast as well. And that movie was god awful. Right. So I'm still cautiously optimistic. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, th- I think th- I think that's the correct response. Why don't we jump right into Terminator though? So Terminator, we don't even have a title for it. A sequel, the sixth of some one, sort, or yeah, yeah, sixth Terminator coming out in maybe 2019 at this point. But we did get some news on it. Basically, just to summarize it. It's going to be a sequel to Terminator 2. We have Sarah Connor coming back, being played by Linda mm-hmm. Hamilton, which is great. She hasn't been there since Terminator 2. And Schwarzenegger and Cameron are both going to be involved. Yeah. Which is very exciting. Also, Tim Miller directed. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, Schwarzenegger, he's been in almost all of them. Was he in Terminator 3? That's the only one I haven't seen. He's been in all of them except Salvation. where they. they yeah, he had like a, like a little cameo in Salvation, right? And he was well in Genesis, and that didn't turn out too good. That was when Amelia Clark playing Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing Sarah Connor proper back with Linda Hamilton, who hasn't really even been much of an right. active actor recently. So that's something. It sounds like Cameron wants to produce and not actually direct. I obviously, what Tim Miller's involved, I think that's smart. And mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of people compare Terminator to Alien with Ridley Scott, and like, do we need to keep making these movies? You know, why would just let it go? And I understand that, but I think with the right idea you can keep doing Terminator movies. I think we just need to be less focused on what happens with Sarah Connor and more about like right. the idea itself. Skynet. We have Skynet in our pockets. There's cool ideas you can do with mm. that. It doesn't have to be about Skynet right. killing everyone every time. You know, I think, as you were saying, they, one of the other pieces of news was that they're looking for an 18-something-looking female to be like the next centerpiece for the story moving forward so in the same vein as something like blade runner which obviously they have harrison ford kind of ushering a new blade runner in which is going to be ryan gosling or if you're looking to star wars where they had the the old guard kind of passing it off to the new guard it seems like this is what this movie's going to do yeah early stages i don't even think they have even much of a script if anything even thought about no treatment really so cool that the game linda hamilton can come back because just saying, oh, we got Schwarzenegger again. That doesn't really do anything for anyone anymore. But, yeah, it needs to be a, a right. cool idea to justify making people want to care. Cameron's going to be busy, dude. He's doing all these movies all of a sudden. He hasn't really, wait, when was the last time he dropped a film? Three years ago? What's he had since Avatar? Avatar's 2009. Yeah, so. He's done some production work. I know that. So, all of a sudden, he's going to be having all these avatars and producing a Terminator film. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't slow down, that's for sure. He's been busy. Here, I'm pulling it up. All right. Sanctum. What is Sanctum? He was an EP. I know yeah. I so I don't I don't think he's directed a movie since Avatar because he's been working on the Avatar sequels this whole time. So I don't believe he even did Genesis. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's good to have him back on these projects at least. Having some influence of the old story is important to, for continuity. Speaking of, I don't know about old, I guess he's still relatively young, but Wes Anderson. Yeah. Seasoned veteran, we'll say, of the game. Dropped his trailer for Isle of Dogs, and it's returned to stop motion since the Fantastic Mr. Correct, Fox, which correct? is 2009? Yeah. And I really loved this trailer. I-, I wanted to hear your thoughts, but I thought not only was the animation fantastic, but obviously the voice work and, and the people that want to do a Wes Anderson movie mm-hmm. is fantastic, the cast that they have. Just to read through it real quick, Edward Norton, Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray, Courtney B. Vance, Liv, Liv Shriver, Harvey Keitel. I mean... <laughs> getting these people jeff goldblum brian cranston just people who are fantastic voiceovers and respected actors yeah of course i mean i think that's kind of 
the MO with Wes Anderson, as you were saying, he just attracts a certain kind of talent, and this is no different than that. And yeah, I think the, the trailer is really well done, just selling everything about the movie. There's an island of dogs in Japan because they got rid of all the dogs, blah, blah, blah. That's all you need to know. And then all the awesome voice work that's there. I mean, you were asking, how, you said he was seasoned, but he's actually not that old. Yeah, he's only 48, which is pretty young for a director. Uh, to have this many movies out so yeah i'm excited i actually only recently seen fantastic mr fox i really like grand budapest hotel that's my favorite wes anderson so dave while we move on and talk about macklemore's new album gemini this is his first album without ryan lewis uh, yeah for, first basically since macklemore and ryan lewis became a duo he had some solo mixtapes and a solo album Back in 05 was his last solo album. So, yeah, it's been a minute. Huh. I always thought that they had been a duo. It's interesting. So, I, I listened to this album. It seemed pretty forgettable to me. I didn't take a really critical listen, but I was wondering. I mean, I know you're a pretty big Macklemore fan. I think bigger than most of the people I'm friends with. What, what were your thoughts around this? Yeah, I mean, I think Gemini. how you want to judge Gemini all depends on how you were coming into the uh, album to listen to, right? And yeah, I was a big Macklemore fan, like coming up, like I was kind of onto him before he blew up. Uh, he was a double XL freshman way back in the day. So yeah, I saw the thrift shop video like day one, right? So I was, you know, I was on the Macklemore before he got huge. But, uh, you know, post the heist, when he tweeted his uh, apology to Kendrick for robbing him at the Grammys, and then he drops uh, wait, the song White Privilege yeah. 2 leading up to his second duo album. You know, he just really fell out of the good graces, right? Because he just came off as like an overly preachy, apologetic white guy. And that was all justified. And Gemini, there's not a whiff of that political messaging really to speak of at all. You know, this is the guy who got same love to be a radio song. You know, it's definitely a big change. But yeah, as you said, and I tweeted this, I think... It's just a forgettable album, you know. It's not bad. It just doesn't really stand out that much. It's just Macklemore, you know, just kind of having fun. And he said this in interviews, how he sees himself as a bit of a contradiction. I think that kind of comes across his music because as a white guy, you can take off from caring about politics. Point that out. But, yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty forgettable. There's nothing, nothing too good to really triumph. I think it's everything, uh, the whole narrative is just about Macklemore as a person, not really the music. Yeah, I, I think that the two songs, I, I don't even know if it's two songs, but one song really stood out was really Wonka, just really like, it just had like a really yeah, great definitely. beat to it, I thought. But, you know, I think just overall, I really like when he goes like soulful, even if it doesn't always like hit in the same way that like it's not like an old school song, like um, what's the one about being Irish? Irish Celebration. That one was called. Yeah, Irish Celebration, like a song like that. I feel like when he goes soulful in that sound, I really enjoy mm-hmm. him. So he still is is a, a good artist. Yeah. I just uh, and he's like a great guy. I, I like him... he's a good message normally. Yeah. Like he comes off well in interviews. But I mean, this isn't his best work. You know, honestly, listening to him talk about making the album, I don't think he tried to make it his best work. He he just kind of whipped up all these songs at his home studio at his house in Seattle, and he just kind of tried to make a song a day. And he paid for the offset first for Willy Wonka, and I agree, that's my favorite song as well. He's got Lil Yachty on there and Kesha, and the rest is all, like, obscure right. Seattle artists, you know? Um, the only one I recognize is uh, the very first song, whatever that's called, uh, Eric Nolly, the feature. He's the same guy from Downtown, yeah. the Downtown Chorus. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, you recognize that uh, unique, high-pitched voice. But other than that, I mean, it's fine. You know, I, I think it's nice for Macklemore to put out an album that doesn't have as much uh, pretense. Overall, if you're interested in Macklemore, I'd say give it a listen, but it's not, like, required reading. No, definitely not. And I, that kind of brings us to our next album we're going to talk about. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, the Killers' eighth studio album. Wait, Pretty crazy. Eighth album? Really? I wrote down as their fifth album. Yeah. 
They have eight albums? I think they've released three, like, compilation albums, which should technically be considered their albums. Gotcha. Uh, like, uh, Sawdust was a... They basically just, like, all B-sides from other albums. Uh, right. Okay. I don't know. Uh, they had a direct hits album in 2013. And Brandon Flowers has two solo albums, right? Brandon Flowers. I, I'm not even counting those. Ones. Right. But anyways, this album, if, if I had to describe it, I would almost replay my whole conversation about the Foo Fighters last week. Not not saying that it was like a totally boring album, but the Killers I don't think are known for their albums as a whole. They're more known for like individual songs. I don't I think this is maybe their most complete album, hmm. but it still kind of falls short of being an album where you're like, "Oh, wow, they had a great narrative." Hot Fuss always holds like a genuine place in my heart uh, just cuz it was it was right there when I was growing up, like 13, 14, really grabbed me. This album doesn't have a hit like Mr. Brightside or All These Things I've Done or When You mm-hmm. Were Young, but they're all really solid songs, like six or sevens, I'd say. And I think you could really enjoy this album. It does some interesting things. Brandon Flowers is very quirky and very corny. And Woody Harrelson actually reads a Bible verse before a song called The Calling. So <laughs> does some interesting stuff. I just wanted to highlight one thing, before, and we don't even really need to have a discussion. I don't think this is a album that is going to be on anyone's end-of-the-year best-of list. But I want to read you this, this lyric. It's from a, a song called Some Kind of Love, which actually I think is one of their better songs on the album. He starts off and he says, You got the will of a wild, a wild bird. Mm-hmm. And then later on he says, but you got the the soul of a truck. Huh. What the? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Brandon Flowers, very quirky, weird. Huh. It's a solid list, and I'd probably give it like a six or seven. So I just have a question for you in general about the killers. So where do you r- yeah. rank or think of them? I don't necessarily rank, but how do you think of them as like the big, of, of, among the big 2000s rock bands, like the Strokes and uh, Arctic Monkeys? Like, how do you think about them compared to the other big successes? Yeah, it, I feel like I've been referencing this book a lot, but Meet Me in the Bathroom by Lizzie oh, Goldman. Yeah. Um, about New York rock scene. Yeah, it, they talk about the Killers and Kings of Leon in there, and basically they were like, we wanted to be rock. We're talking about like the Strokes, the National, people like that, but the Killers wanted to be famous. Mm-hmm. And like that's really, they, they make music that is rock, but it's like indie pop rock. It's very accessible. People can enjoy it. Yeah, they're, they're always like over the top, quote, like too much, right? Like, and this is just kind of them doing yeah. that again. Yeah, they they always do something interesting. They try to make each song like an anthem almost. They they just want to make a they want to make it only Mr. Brightside. And I think when you have a song that like captures people the way that some of their like their first albums did, like all these things I've done or Mr. Brightside or even somebody told me, you're always going to be trying to replicate that. Right. It's kind of yeah. the way. It just it makes sense. It's what they know. Yeah. When we move towards wrapping it up though. With Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Yeah, yeah. 39 million domestic, 100.2 worldwide. But it dethroned it. Mixed reviews. Dave, is this a movie people should go see? Yeah, so, Pat, did you see the first Kingsman, The Secret Service, from mm-hmm. 2015? I love it. It's, it's a, I think it's a really great yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm a big fan for sure. So the, the sequel is directed by Matthew Vaughn, who directed the first one, as well as uh, X-Men First Class. British director, mm-hmm. very popular right now. A lot of people want him to direct another franchise. So he's a, definitely a hot name you'll see thrown around often. Right. And yeah, so the Golden Circle, like, as you uh, said, it's kind of got mixed to negative reviews from the critics. 50% on RT, Rotten Tomatoes, which is less than Mother's 67%, which we talked about last week if you're interested. But it got a B-plus cinema score, which is right on par with the first film. So I think it, it meets audiences' expectations. And you asked me if people should go see this. And I think if you like Kingsman, if you saw the first one, if you 
you know, wanting to revisit that world again, then absolutely go see the Golden Circle because it's a damn good time. It's a lot of fun. Okay. It's bigger than the, the the original, as you might have guessed from the trailer. There's a lot of additional a, A-list actors added to the mix. Chang yeah, Tatum. The, ca- the cast is crazy. Yeah, Chang Tatum, Pedro Pascal, Jeff Bridges, Halle Berry, Julianne Moore, as well as... Halle Berry! Yep, she's there. As well as uh, Colin Firth Returns, <laughs> which was spoiled in the trailers, which Matthew Vaughn was not happy about, as well as Mark Strong and the lead, Taron Egerton. So it's got a lot of talent, yeah. and they all do pretty good uh, work, I'd say. How the fuck do they just spoil that Colin Firth is coming back? Yeah. It's so stupid. I mean, Spoilers for the first Kingsman, but there's a, a really pivotal scene, and Colin Firth is no more at the end of that scene. And it was really powerful, and it, it, it affected Eggsy, Taron Egerton's character, in a great way, and really ushered in the third act, and it worked really well. And if you want to bring him back, that's fine. I mean, we, it's believable that you could, you know, save someone in that world, but... To spoil it in the trailer, like Colin Firth doesn't sell tickets. Why would you do that? It just takes exactly. away, it wakes away that big <laughs> ah moment at the theater. So it's that's disappointing. But you know, I think this movie, like I said, it's bigger, not necessarily better. You know, I mean, the script's probably not as smart as the first one. The first one had a great Samuel L. Jackson performance, and uh, Sophia Boutella was there as his like badass sidekick. But Julianne Moore as the villain this time, she kind of plays like a a woman who, it's said in modern times, but she's like obsessed with like 50s Americana. Like a, she's like a 50s housewife. There's this awesome El, Elton John recurring bit. Like Elton John's in the movie in several scenes, which is hilarious. What? Yep. Uh, so uh, the movie was shot in Britain. <laughs> That's great. Matthew Vaughn's British. Uh, so I guess they were able to make that work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's still a lot of fun. So I got that charm, that style that you expect from the Kingsman world. It might be a little long, a little, little bloated at times. Chang Tatum is in the movie as much as you'd hope. But I, I'd recommend it if you were a fan of the first one. And this is actually the rare sequel over the past two years to actually outgross the original movie. First Kingsman grossed $36 million domestically. This one thirty nine, so a little bit better. And with 61 overseas for, you know, that's already over 100 over the first weekend. Kingsman 2 has a, a, a strong uh, legs, you know, a good multiplier. It has a, about two weeks until Blade Runner comes out. So I think a strong box office is very possible with it starting to wane. And hopefully we get another one. All right, folks. We've had some technical difficulties today. Part of the difficulty of recording this remotely, unfortunately. But we want to say thank you for listening. Please support Nostalgia Pod. We promise to have our issues figured out by next week. Share us with friends. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review. Subscribe on YouTube. Somewhere where I'm pointing, hopefully. Also, uh, go to SoundCloud.com slash Pod, where you can access any way you want to listen to the show whether it's through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, follow Dave at Martin Swagger. Follow myself at Sheeny World Peace Without the O. Uh, and follow the pod at Nostalgia Pod. Tweet at us what you want us to be talking about next week. We're going to be doing a lot of TV catch-up. We're looking forward to bringing our reviews to you on things like The Deuce, Vice Principals. You know, maybe we'll even talk Rick and Morty, which should be moving towards a close. South Park is back. Broad City's back. There's a lot going on. If there's anything you do want us to talk about, please tweet at us. And uh, yeah, we love you. Have a good week. Later, guys. All my days, I'm-